Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. I heard a story once about an optimistic farmer who couldn't wait for the, the morning to hit and to get out of bed, and he'd say, Good morning, Lord. And then down the road was this lady that would get up and go, Oh, no, it's morning. And he was always optimistic, and she wasn't. He saw opportunities, and she saw problems, and he was satisfied, and she was discontent. And one morning he saw her and he said, look at the beautiful sky. Did you see that glorious sunrise that God gave us? And she said, yeah, it'll probably get the crops too hot and they'll scorch. And then that afternoon the rain came and he goes, isn't this wonderful? God's given the the corn a drink of water today. And she goes, yeah, and if it doesn't stop too long, you'll wish you'd had flood insurance on your crops. Well, he just was beside himself. So finally... He went to town one day, and he decided he would get this dog he saw. It was not just any dog. It wasn't a mutt. It was a highly trained dog. It would do all kinds of unusual things. And he thought, you know, I'm going to get that dog, and I'm going to show this lady a thing or two, and maybe I will inspire her a little bit. And so he gets that dog, and he's walking by our house, and he says, hey, uh, lady, watch this. And he threw uh, something in a nearby pond, and uh, that stick is floating on the water, and that dog, he, he goes after that stick, he walks on the water, he retrieves it, he comes back, and he goes, now what do you think about that? And she goes, not much of a dog, he can't even swim. <laughs> do you ever feel like that? Because here's the thing, if you ever felt like you don't have an answer for a situation you face, that's discouragement. And there's nothing worse than discouragement. You, you encounter a situation and you think you're ready. You think you've got an idea. You think you've got an answer. And it just falls flat. And you're like, now what do I do? That is discouragement. And what I want you to understand as we enter this Christmas story today, that that's exactly where they were. And many times when you and I go through the holidays, it can be a time of discouragement. Maybe we're remembering Christmas past that didn't go so well. Maybe we've lost loved ones. Maybe things are just hard right now. Whatever the case may be, it can be a time of discouragement. I want you to look in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at the first three verses there. This is Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. He says in Luke 2 verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. So they were doing this census and everybody had to be registered. And if you look at the political climate of that day and time, it was very discouraging. I mean, where Israel had been and where they were at that moment in time, it was a downer. You see, God had given Abraham the promised land, and years went by before it actually happened. Remember Moses, and they came out of Egypt, and then God used Joshua to lead them into the promised land, and they staked their claim, this is our land that God has given us. And then years went by, and at this point in time, they are now subject to Rome. 
and the boot of Rome. Uh, They're experiencing the taxation that goes with it. And so it is a time of discouragement. It's a dark time in their history. And yet they could look back in their past and they could see how God used Joseph uh, in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament to deliver them out of a famine. And then they could look back at the days of Egypt, how God raised up Moses to bring them out of Egypt and how God sent uh, Joshua to lead them into the promised land. But now the question is, now that we're subject to Rome, What's God going to do now? I mean, what can He do? What will He do? And what we find as we continue to read the story is that God is going to bring about salvation uh, through a Savior, through His Son, for the whole world. Isn't that good? You know, missionaries often find themselves in times of discouragement. They go to a new place, uh, a new culture, a new group of people, They may not know the language. They certainly don't know the customs unless they're prepared uh, in advance before they take the trip. Uh, They're strangers in a foreign land. They don't have all the rights of normal citizens. Um, They're limited in what they can do. And uh, because of that, they can sometimes through through time and through through buy-in from the people when they realize who they are and they live their life before them, they can attain an influence that maybe locals don't have because they see that it costs them something, that they put themselves out there. They left everything behind. Why are they here? And, And it begins to have an effect upon the natives. Can I tell you that we, in a similar way, we're here in this world as ambassadors for Christ, and we're on mission for Him. And sometimes in this world, it gets discouraging. Sometimes when you read the news, I tell you what, I I appreciate the fact that the gospel, the word gospel means good news because the world's always going to have news. But guess what? We've got good news. And it's always going to be good news that God sent His Son and that Jesus died and He rose again and Jesus saves. That is good news. And so here we look at this story of how they are... Uh, Israel, the Jewish people, are under the boot of Rome, and they're, they're under their authority, they're under their taxation, and they're ordered to do this census, and, and it's disrupting everybody's routine. They're having to go uh, here and there and all of this. And what I want to say is God wants to use your loss of rights for His glory. You see, they had lost something. They had lost something. Now they are under the authority of Rome. They are having to pay all of these taxes. And they can look back in their history and they can go, well, we had better times. We had better days, but not sure about right now. And they're discouraged. It's a time of of darkness in their history. And what I want to say is God wants to use your loss of rights for His glory. You see, the greatest work that God wants to do in our world sometimes comes when it's at its darkest. A lot of times when God really wants to move in our lives, we're at that point and that place of discouragement. And guess what? Maybe He uses that to get our attention. I mean, let's be honest. When things are going good, we ain't got time for God. Oh, we're living life. Things are going good. Isn't this great? Remember 9-11? I know you do. You remember the Sunday after 9-11? I mean, it really got people's attention. There was a lot of folks in church that Sunday after what happened in our country. It really shook us. And then after that, everything went back to normal, didn't it? They started having, you know, football games again. Like everything was stopped for about a week. 
and then everything went back to normal. Okay, let's just get back to business as usual. Let's just, let's just live our life and go on. I believe God uses discouragement to leverage us to make a decision and say, okay, God, I need you. When we focus our attention on God instead of ourselves, then we can allow God to use our loss for his gain and his glory. Well, let's look at the next part of this story. And that's Mary and Joseph. There in verse 4, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And let's stop right there. So here is Joseph and Mary. And he's got to go back to his roots. Uh, his family is from Bethlehem, and that's where the census is going to be for his folks. And so he's got to make this long trek. And, you know, uh, it, we didn't have paved roads back then, right? It wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't something like you and I can just get in the car now and say, well, I'm going to Lexington. I'll be there in about an hour and a half, more or less. Some of you know what I mean. And boom, there we are. It wasn't like that. Uh, they didn't have the roads developed near to what we have now. And so to travel a good distance was an ordeal. It took thought. It took planning. And then there's dangers along the way. There's uncertainty. What about this? And what about that? And so things were tough for Mary and Joseph. Now they find themselves displaced from their home and their routines over this this government-required census. It's no vacation. It's no pleasure trip. Mary was probably in the latter part of her pregnancy. Well, obviously she was. And so everything is thrown off balance. So imagine how uncomfortable she is. And if she did ride on a donkey and Joseph is leading the way, that's not the most comfortable ride uh, when you're in your last trimester. And so here is Mary and Joseph doing the best they can to make this long journey, and it's just exhausting. At this point in their life, everything's up in the air. I mean, she's pregnant. They're not married yet. Here they are going on this long journey. What's going to happen when we get there? All of these things. And so the small city of Bethlehem is there. Uh, I like what you know, Danny and I were talking this week. If you think about it, the fact that there was no room in the end says something. I mean, he's going back home, right, to where he's got kinfolks. Hey, you mind if we? Nope. Hey, can we stay? Nope, sorry. And he ended up in the end, all alone, he and Mary and the animals. And so what an ordeal, if you put yourself in those shoes, it could have been. Um, studying this week, there is a psychology modeled. Uh, a psychology model called the learning zone. Uh, the learning zone. It, it says that there are three zones or states of being. There's the comfort zone. You know, when you kick back on a Sunday afternoon in that lazy boy, that's the comfort zone, right? And then there is the panic zone. And I think we've all been there. You get alarmed, you're unsettled, you're overwhelmed. You're looking at your calendar. You're looking at all the things you've got to get done, and you're in a panic zone. And then between the comfort zone and the panic zone is the learning zone. And basically what they say is in the learning zone is where growth takes place. 
It's not in our comfort zone. It's not in our panic zone. It's in the learning zone. And yet, how many times do we position ourselves to be in the learning zone? So many times the easiest thing to do is just to say, I'm comfortable and I'm going to stay right here. Don't ask me to do anything. I like it right here. This is me. I'm just going to stay right right here. But when it comes to our walk with God, God's going to nudge us to where we can't stay comfortable and follow Jesus. He tells us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Him. That's not a comfortable life. And yet, if we panic, we're not trusting God. We're being anxious instead of following and trusting Him. And so here is Mary and Joseph, and obviously they're out of their comfort zone. And thankfully, they don't get to the panic zone. They stay in the learning zone. They learn to depend on God. They trust God to take care of them. They trust His timing. And here's what I want to say to you. Just like God had a journey for them, God has a journey for you. You know, it's neat because if you look back now, God engineered those, those circumstances. Because one of the prophecies was that something would come from Bethlehem. I believe it was Micah the prophet that prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And for that to happen, what did God do? He says, well, I'm going to make the government move to say, hey, you've got to have a census. And because the Messiah is going to come from the line of David, everybody in that clan and that family and that tribe, guess where they're going to be? They're going to be in Bethlehem. And in the fullness of time, that baby is going to be born in Bethlehem. God had a journey for them, and God has a journey for you. When you're discouraged, when you're overwhelmed, when you're like, I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know what I'm going to do. God has a journey for you. Look to Him. Depend on Him. Trust Him. And trust His timing. Well, not only do we have the Jewish people, and we got Mary and Joseph, but let's look at the actual, the greatest thing that happened here, and that's the birth of baby Jesus. Look, if you will, in verse 6 and 7. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them, or there was no room in the inn. You go back, and I can just imagine Joseph saying, all right, honey, are you okay? Yeah, okay, well, let's go. I, I, I don't know if there's a hospital in Bethlehem, but we're going home. Let's go. And then they get there, and they can't find a single place, and they finally find a place for the night in a manger, and then she goes, guess what? 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 Now? Here? Yep, yep, it's time. And so the baby was born there in the manger. There was no room for, for God. Uh, it was easy for us to scoff at this, this notion, no room in the inn. But think about it. They probably went to different people than you, and they said, no, I can't, I'm sorry, for whatever reason. And yet here is this God child, son of man, the son of God, born in a manger. Um, this time of year, I like to watch Christmas movies. I'm sure some of you do too. And uh, one Christmas movie is Elf. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Will, Will Ferrell and his character. And when he was a baby, uh, he accidentally climbed into Santa Claus' toy bag and he's brought back to the North Pole and they decide to keep him. That's the premise of the movie Elf. And then for the rest of his childhood on into adulthood, he's raised like an elf. But then finally he outgrows the elf world, uh, the elf world and he realizes, hey, I'm not an elf. I'm different. You know, what's going on? Well, can I tell you something? As people, we are living in an elf world. And we are creatures created by God, but this is a temporary home, is it not? And we're born for something greater. We're born for something different. And so what I want to say is God has a place for you. God had a place. He says that baby is going to be born in Bethlehem. And he already knew what would happen, and he had it perfectly arranged. Nobody can say that our Savior was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born there in that manger. And, and yet God had prepared that place for him. And you know what? God has a place for you. When you're discouraged, when you're overwhelmed, you're like, man, I, I just don't know what's going on right now. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. God has a place for you. If you've ever felt out of place, if you ever felt like there's no perfect fit for you, uh, then you need to seek God because God has a place for you and you're in good company. You know, when you follow God, he takes you on this adventure of faith. And he has a journey for you. He has a place for you. And what may look like a loss to others, he can turn that around and make it a gain for him through your life, through your willingness to trust and obey. And that's what he calls us to. So what I want to say this morning is this. Discouragement. We talked about you know disappointment, I think, last week. But discouragement is a tool that God can use. You see, your journey in life is not like everybody else's. And God has a purpose for you. And He wants to use you right where you are. No matter what kind of discouragement you're facing right now, you might go, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, seek God. Look to God. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got a journey for you. He has a place for you. You don't have to figure it out. And you don't have to fret over the circumstances. Just seek God and trust Him. And walk with him day by day, moment by moment. And when you do that, you will learn that that's exactly what the original Christmas story was like. Again, go back and look at the, the ones that, that were there. Think about the discouraging time and the political climate of Rome taxing Israel. It wasn't the brighter day. There were much better days in the past. It was definitely a downer. And then you've got Mary and Joseph being displaced, having to go on this long trip. And then when they get there, every door closes, even people that were family. And yet, what does God do? God uses this discouraging backdrop. He prepares them for a journey, and he has just the right place at just the right time. And then he does his greatest work. That's the kind of God you and I have. And that's, that's what makes the Christmas story so much special. It, yes, it's the star that we all look at. The star is Jesus. And the star in the sky led them to baby Jesus. 
but it's the backdrop that makes that bright. Uh, the, the, the backdrop of discouragement, the backdrop of, man, what a dark time it is, really magnified the brightness of the hope that God did for you and for me. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, are you willing to trust and obey God right where you are? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're struggling with, maybe God is going to use your situation to slow you down long enough to say, you know, God, I really need you. And Lord, if you can do something, I wish you would. And if you caught what I said, if you can do something, yes, you can. Maybe you're like that dad who came to Jesus and the disciples had tried to cast the demon out of him and they couldn't. And Jesus was coming down the mount. He had been transfigured. Peter, James, and John were with him. And Jesus says, what's the problem? Well, I wish you could help my boy if you can. This is paraphrased. He goes, what do you mean if? And then he says, anything's possible to him who believes. And the dad says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Maybe you, you believe God, but when it comes to actually trusting him and giving him a circumstance, a situation, and releasing control, that maybe that's where you are. And you're like, oh, Lord, I believe that you're good. And I believe you've got a good plan for me. And, and, I, I, and I know that you love me, but man, this is hard. Okay, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me just let this go and give it to you. And then I'm going to back off. I'm going to say, God, I'm giving that to you, and I'm going to trust and obey you. I'm going to trust, Lord, that out of this dark season, you've got a bright hope for me. I'm going to trust that you have ordered the steps of the journey that I'm on, and I'm going to trust your timing that you've got the right place at the right time for me. Whatever it is that God wants you to do this morning, it's my prayer that you will do it. You know, when we look at this story about the birth of Christ, don't miss again that it's good news. The world has news. You can read the paper, you can look at magazines, you can go online, you can watch the TV screen, and there's always news. There's breaking news going across the bottom of the screen. But I want to tell you something. We have good news. God so loved the world that He sent His Son. And he died on the cross for all our sin. And he rose from the dead on the third day, proving that he is the Son of God. And today he offers to you the gift of eternal life to anyone who turns and trusts and follows him. Will you do that today? Let's all stand. Musicians, if you would come. We're going to have a time of invitation. And this is your time to make a decision about what God is speaking to you about. Maybe He's calling you to be saved. Maybe there's this awareness of, hey, I am a sinner, and I know I'm a sinner, and I'm hearing what you're saying about Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God. I believe that He died for me. I want to be saved. I need to be saved. And if you'll just leave where you are and turn from your sin and trust and follow Him, He will save you. 
Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe, maybe you need to go public with your faith. That's what baptism is. It's the public testimony of your faith. Before there ever was an altar call like this, going back to the 16 or 1700s, what did they do? The very first sermon that was preached, you remember Peter in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost? He stands up boldly. He begins to explain what's going on using the Scriptures. This is being fulfilled in your presence right now. And here's what this is about. The man Jesus who was crucified, he's now risen from the dead, yada, yada. He's preaching hard, hard, hard. And guess what? They interrupt his sermon. Isn't this great, Brother Nan? They interrupt his sermon because they need an invitation. They're cut to the heart. Hey, 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 brothers, what should we do? Yes, repent and believe, obviously, is what happens in the heart. But baptism is what you do, the first step of obedience to follow Jesus after you've been saved. Baptism indicates, hey, I'm going public. I'm confessing Him before men. If that's you, maybe you need to take that next step. Maybe God's leading you to join the church. Maybe, maybe something is stirring inside of you and you know that God wants you to get more involved. Get plugged into a Sunday school class. Get, get connected to some folks. Maybe God's calling you to serve. Hey, I know Brother Danny would love to talk to you. No, I would love to talk to you. There's a lot of us that would. God wants all of us to serve. He does. You know, we talk about Ephesians 2, that by grace through faith we've been saved. But Ephesians 2, that's verse 8. Verse 10 says that God has prepared in advance things for us to do. In other words, there's things that God wants you to do. He's put some things in front of you. He's put some things in front of me. And when He calls you to serve Him, He says, Hey, listen, I want to take you on a journey. Hey, listen, I've got a place for you. I know exactly what I want you to do. Will you ask me? Will you trust me? Will you step out and follow me? Because I want to use you. And he can. And he will if you will just trust him. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com. Thank you.